look today at the 23rd Psalm. Uh, maybe you've been around church uh, or not. It's uh, probably one of the most famous six verses, well-known uh, six verses uh, in the Bible. Uh, if you have grown up in church, you've probably heard a million um, sermons on this. Uh, and so to help you this morning, I came across something this week uh, that I thought would kind of put the 23rd Psalm in perspective for you. Uh, and it's uh, the anti-Psalm 23, written by uh, Dave Pallison. He's a, a counselor with CCEF and uh, uh, Philadelphia, and so um, this is the anti-Psalm 23. So it puts it, the real Psalm 23 in a little perspective for you. Uh, and let me just warn you about this. Uh, this is really dark. Uh, and you're going to think, this is super extreme. So don't get on the extreme part of this and think, that never describes me. Just think of the lines here that uh, do describe you, how you think how you feel, uh, how you react sometime, right? So the anti-Psalm 23, you're going to look at this, and I hope by the end of this make you really glad for the real Psalm 23, right? I'm on my own, right? The Lord's, the Lord's not my shepherd. I'm on my own. Ever feel that way? No one looks out for me or protects me. I experience a continual sense of need. Nothing's quite right. I'm always restless. I'm easily frustrated and often disappointed, which is particularly good sentence for Mother's Day. Uh, <laughs> right? Um, a mom, mom is only happy as her unhappiest child, right? So um, uh, it's a jungle. I feel overwhelmed. It's a desert. I'm thirsty. My soul feels broken, twisted, and stuck. I can't fix myself. I stumble down some dark paths. Still, I insist. I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want. But life's confusing. Why don't things ever really work out? I'm haunted by emptiness and futility, shadows of death. I fear the big hurt and final loss. Death is waiting for me at the end of every road, but I'd rather not think about that. I spend my life protecting myself. Bad things can happen. Um, if I'd been writing it, I would have said, bad things surely will happen, right? I find no lasting comfort. I'm alone. Did I mention that? I'm alone. Facing everything that could hurt me. Are my friends really friends? Other people use me for their own ends. I can't really trust anyone. No one has my back. No one is really for me except me. And I'm so much all about me. Sometimes it's sickening, which is funny, right? Because you're all alone in the world and nobody's going to take care of you. But you and you are the one that has to do it. And then you find yourself thinking so much about you all the time that you get sick of yourself. You don't even like you anymore, right? I belong to no one except myself. My cup is never quite full enough. I'm left empty. Disappointment follows me all the days of my life. Will I just be obliterated into nothingness? Will I be alone forever, 
homeless, free falling in the void. Sartre said hell is other people. I have to add hell is also myself. It's a living death. And then I die. So happy Mother's Day. And so the the uh, the the reason the reason why I wanted uh, to, to do that is to kind of set the beauty and the wonder of Psalm 23 uh, in, a, in its uh, proper context. Uh, Spurgeon said of the 23rd Psalm that uh, that just reading it is essentially uh, being led by still waters and uh and living in green pastures, right? And so I, I, w- I wanted to do that this morning to kind of put the thing in perspective for you so that you could begin to understand the value and the joy of what it means to have the Lord as your shepherd. So let me read to you the real Psalm 23. It's in the bulletin, also up on the screens behind me. Uh, this is the word of God, and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here's here's the thing, right? So what 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 you have to see about the, this psalm is is something that is is pretty profound about it, and that is the psalm begins with the words, "The Lord is my shepherd." And really, if if you didn't know anything else about the psalm, if you didn't read any further, if you didn't do anything else, that would be just a great thing to repeat to yourself over and over again. Because when you say, along with David, that the Lord is your shepherd, what you are saying about yourself is, I belong. To Jesus. He is my good shepherd. He has lived my life, died my death, and he will care for me and provide for me and lead me to the ultimate destiny. And that is to be with him forever. And so, so, so with, without, regardless of anything else that's true of you, this is how you view your life. This is how you view your destiny. This is how you view your money, your friends, your family, all of those things come to you in the context of you not being belonging simply to yourself, not you simply belonging to another person. But the reality is that you are a, a sheep in the flock of God, and this shepherd knows you and you know him. And so that is the place where we rest our souls. That is the place where we we uh, find our peace. That is the place where we kind of uh, establish our identity. Because the truth is, every one of us is looking for something to identify ourselves with and to identify ourselves by. Every one of us is is on a search and on a hunt to find some sort of meaning and purpose in life. And the fact is, when you say, the Lord is my shepherd, you have defined that. I am not my own. I am not my own. No matter how much it may seem like it, no matter how much I may at times in my reckless rebellion determine that I am my own, this psalm tells us, no, my identity and my destiny is bound up in the shepherd who knows my name, 
who calls me by name and who works everything out in my life such that my destiny is to be known and to be with him and he with me forever and ever and ever. So, um, uh, A.G., put my notes up there. So the anti-Psalms, he tells us what life feels like and looks like whenever God vanishes from sight. And that seems like, you know, here you are in church. How is that possible that God can vanish from your sight? But it happens all the time, doesn't it? That you live as if there is no God. You live as if there is no shepherd. You live as if there is, is nobody there who's for you. I, we do it all the time, don't we? Right? Uh, and, and so what, when something, <laughs> yeah, you know, something bad always gets the last say, uh, when at whatever you live for is not God, right? And that's the truth. So, so the, the way the world is broken and the way it is twisted, the fact of the matter is, if, if I am all alone in this and I have to defend myself and I have to provide for myself and I have to be at work in this, then the fact of the matter is, some, when bad things happen, I am left only to myself and my own resources, right? So, um, this, this happens to us when we construct our reality, uh, from a, a lie, and the lie is, is that God doesn't see me, God doesn't know me, Jesus didn't die for me, he is not present caring for me right now, right? One of the things I've taken to doing uh, with folks, whenever somebody will come and tell me something good has happened, a prayer has been answered, or or something something great has happened, I, I, I say, uh, partially tongue-in-cheek, but also partially as a way uh, to have a, some sense of ministry, see, there really is a God. Right? There really is someone who, who owns my life and who is orchestrating the events of my life. But my tendency so often is to forget that the Lord is my shepherd is to forget that he is for me, to forget that he loves me, and forget uh, his rich uh, promises and his care for me, right? Uh, it happened to me yesterday. So uh, rainy Saturdays are a blessing because you don't have to do yard work, <laughs> right? Right? It's a good thing. It's a good gift. So... I got up yesterday morning, got in a great run, came home, and uh, we are in the midst uh, of a home renovation project. And one of the projects I am working on is I'm going to put in a patio. Patio. Yeah, I tore the old deck down. We put in a screen porch, and now we're going to put on a patio. So been watching the old HGTV. You know, I got it down. So we would gotten to the uh, YouTube, you know. You can do anything with YouTube. You could probably build a nuclear reactor with YouTube. So, so the fact is, so I'm, uh, Marty and I are like, you know, well, we're going to go have a good day. We're, she loves this stuff. You know, she's always on that, uh, um, fixer upper show and, uh, just, you know, she, she just loves that stuff. So, so we're thinking, okay, we're going to go get, go look at pavers for the patio. And, uh, I asked my daughter, like, hey, you want to go with us? Why don't, let's make it a threesome. Let's have a fun time out here. You know, we'll go shop for the uh, uh, pavers. And she's like, no, y'all go have a date. Which is what, you know, 60-year-old people do for dates is they go shop for pavers, right? <laughs> so hot. <laughs> so, um, 
So we are, so we are uh, in love with each other, getting ready to go. And as we're driving to look at the pavers, suddenly an alarm goes off in my car because there's no longer any antifreeze in it. Which, you know, because I am ever the optimist, I decided, like, this is such a gift because I have the opportunity now to demonstrate to my wife how resilient I am, how I can whip this car into a parking space, walk up the street, find some antifreeze, put it back in the car, and we'll be on and about our business in less than 15 minutes, which happened. I walked up the street, got the antifreeze, got it down, made sure the engine was cool enough, opened up the radiator, fill it up, ready to go. So I get in the, get in the car, getting ready to go, and guess what? I lost the key. Now, you know, this whole project was about me demonstrating to my wife what a resilient handyman I am and that just because the car blows up, I can get it back on the road in a matter of 10 minutes. This is no problem. It's exciting. And she very lovingly said to me, she said, you know, when I saw you walk off to go to the uh, uh, service station to get the antifreeze, I saw the key in your hand and I thought he's going to lose that. Something else you get for being married over 30 years, right? (laughs) She was right. I did. God, why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening? So the only good fruit that came out of that was we learned how to send our location by Google Maps to our daughter so she could find us and uh, bring the key so that I could actually get the car and drive it back home, right? There are plenty of moments in that minor issue, really, really minor. I mean, yeah, so minor that God was absent to me. I was all alone, and it was up to me to make things happen. And I could not even take this as an opportunity to build my reputation in the eyes of my wife of what a great and resilient and resourceful man I am, right? So the fact of the matter is, uh, wherever you are today, whatever your, whatever your particular temp- set of temptations are, whatever your particular uh, struggles are, the fact of the matter is, we can read the 23rd Psalm, we can look at it, and our tendency so often is to take that sort of in a cynical way and to minimize the impact and the effect of what is being said here. But the ground of life... The foundation upon which you stand is this, that the Lord is your shepherd, that you belong to him and he belongs to you, that you belong to him because he paid the price and your identity and your future and and, uh, all that is true about you is bound up in knowing and being known by this shepherd, right? So it is such an important thing for us to kind of get right off the the, the bat. I am not my own, but belong body and soul to my faithful shepherd, right? So that's the important thing. But the other thing to note about this is this is not just some kind of pie in the sky kind of theology of of our union with Christ, right? He says, look at what he look at how he talks about this. The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Right? 
So what is David doing there? Well, David is talking. David is 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 taking what he knows about God and saying it right. He is saying this God is my shepherd. I belong to him. He leads me. He provides for me. He does these things. These are statements of truth. These are theological statements of truth that that we can say and that we can acknowledge. Right. And and we should have the right kind of theology about that. We should have the right kind of understanding about that because those things matter. Right. And so he is declaring those things. But notice how he shifts in the middle of the psalm, because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. No. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, right? So so what's happening here? Well, this is a couple of things that are happening here. One thing is, you know, any time that you are so sure and you're making these kind of declarative statements about God, you know, it's one thing to say that the Lord is my shepherd. It's another thing to say the Lord is my shepherd. And this is how this affects my life. This is where it gets down to the nitty gritty for me, right? And so not only is he saying that the Lord is a shepherd, but it becomes very personal as he walks through the dark valley, right? As he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, it's no longer the fact that God is like this or this is who God is. This is how Jesus is. What it is now is I am talking to you, good shepherd. I am as I am seeking light to get through this dark valley. It's no longer just theological truth. It's presence. It's love. It's a hand on the shoulder. It's leading me and guiding me in a very personal and and warm way. Right. That's exactly what has to happen here. So when we go through these these dark valleys, the suddenly what we believe, what we say we believe now suddenly becomes very real and it becomes something personal where we are talking to the shepherd uh, because he's right there with us. He is right there for us. We are together in this, right, as we walk through this. So next, next slide. So the, the thing that is profound about that for me and for you is to recognize that, right? We should never be in a situation where we are simply declaring things about God or we're simply saying things about Jesus without that being personal. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, well, what, what difference does that make? How does that impact you? Well, the fact is, for many of us and for most of us, that the truth is the Lord is our shepherd is probably not high on our list of values when we get up on Monday morning unless you wake up in Monday morning in a dark valley. Right? You wake up on Monday morning and you lost your job or you lost someone you love or you're losing your health or you're losing your mind. Right? And so in that time, it's not just enough to know the truth, but it's, it's important. <laughs> what matters even more is to know that the truth is embodied and he is walking with you, right? And he is for you. Now, wouldn't it be great if what it meant to have the Lord as your shepherd is that you only sat by still waters and you only rested in green pastures? Man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? The problem for many of us is, is that for, for many of us, frankly, the, the green pastures and the, and the uh, quiet waters might be in some ways, for many of us, more dangerous for our souls, 
more dangerous for our hearts, more dangerous for our understanding of what our identity is than the dark valley. Because I will tend, I can give myself over to uh, uh, worshiping, giving my heart to the maintenance of the quiet waters and, and, and the green pastures so that my comfort becomes the thing that's most important to me. And that my relationship with my shepherd is dependent upon how comfortable he's making me. That is a great and wonderful gift that the shepherd gives us many seasons of, of quiet waters and, and green pastures. Praise God for that. But the fact of the matter is, the truth is, my understanding and my appreciation, my heart expands, and I understand my good shepherd when I walk through the dark valley, right? Because when I walk through the dark valley, I can't see. When I walk through the dark valley, every corner, every place I go, there is terror and fear. And so I need someone with me, someone who will defend me, someone who will guide me, someone who will provide for me, and someone who will care for me, right? So, so the truth of the matter is, you, you, you don't, some of you, some of you have wandered uh, on your own in your own reckless rebellion in the dark valleys, but the truth of the matter is, the Good Shepherd may take you through the dark valley, uh, because that's what's best for you. And listen. Listen, if you're in the dark valley right now, I want you to hear this. If you're in Christ, the shepherd is taking you through the dark valley. Why? To hurt you? To rebuke you? To punish you? No, no. He takes you through the dark valley to take you to someplace better. To his house. To, to a full appreciation of his presence and his provision for you forever and ever and ever. You see, dark valleys are these things that come our way and, and they're confusing and, and they're, they're, they're terrifying. But the fact is, the truth is, when I am in, in the dark valley, Jesus becomes so dear. Because Jesus went through that dark valley, right? And came out. On the other side, uh, there's the uh, uh, old spiritual that says you've got to walk that lonesome valley by yourself. Um, not really true. I can't go with you. Your spouse can't go with you. But Jesus goes with you. There's no place, no darkness, no terror, no anything in this world that you can experience where if you're in Christ, that you do it alone. I can say that with 100% certainty. If you're in Christ today, no challenge you will have to face alone. I don't care how lonely you feel you are. I don't care how, how broken you feel you are. If you're in Christ, he is always with you, even in the darkest valley. Now, the thing that makes this so profound and so challenging to me is uh, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He does all these things for me. But then David says that crazy thing, I shall not want. When I read that, the, uh, when, when I was a kid, I, I would read that and I would think, what is wrong with him? I, I am a barrel of want. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's part of the way I know I'm alive is because I want. <laughs> right. I mean, I desire. 
I, I'm, I'm all about my wants and my desires. You know, I, I, I walk through life that way, right? That's kind of, that's kind of what guides me and leads me in many ways are, are those things that I want for myself, right? So, so when, when David says he doesn't want, that seems kind of weird, right? Because when you're in the dark valley, you, you lack light unless you, you can't see it's dark to you, right? So, so you lack at that moment, uh, uh, your, the ability to see to put one, one foot in front of the other. That's why you cry out to the shepherd to take you through the dark valley, right? Well, the fact is, so what does that mean? Well, I think what it means is that I shall not want any good thing that my shepherd sees I need, right? So, so even it may be that as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it may be at precisely at that, at that point, even though I might quibble with this, I might not like this, that this is what I need. This is, this is what he has for me. And, and, and does he hate the dark valley as well? Yes. But the scriptures tell us that even the darkness is light to him. And so as he leads me and takes me through that, I can trust him and I can know that he is going to take me through to the other side. Because, you know, this is this is the thing. What's the point? What's the end of life? What's the ultimate destiny? Why are you here? Why do you breathe? Why do you eat? Why do you live? You live and eat and breathe and your purpose your purpose, your reason for being is to be with this shepherd forever. Now, if you're in Christ today, that's already begun. You are with him and he is with you forever and ever. But the whole point of life and the whole purpose of where we are going in life is to get to the house of the father and be with him and he with us forever and ever and ever. And moms, moms. Moms, the purpose for your children is not their happiness. It's not. Kids, your mom doesn't exist to make you happy, but you already knew that, right? The point of life for all of us, wherever we are, for our children, for ourselves, for our grandchildren, for for all of us, what is it? It's to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the point. That's why we're here. That's, that's the whole thing that, that the gospel, that the shepherd lived our life, died our death. That's, that's exactly what, what it is that he is doing. And that is, that is what, what he is, you know, that's, that's his ministry in our lives now. And then we read this crazy thing, right? Where God hosts a party for us in front of our enemies. Doesn't sound very fun, does it? You know, well, there are two ways you could look at that. One is uh, that you're partying. God has set a table for you and he's providing for you and you can see your enemies. But God and his protection is keeping them from affecting you. And the, the other way that you could look at it and might actually uh, that kind of ties into the to the context there. When when David would go out and defeat his enemies uh, and then he would have a victory banquet afterwards. He might bring the enemies in and they might have to sit there and and, you know, watch uh, while uh, David and his men celebrated uh, their victory over them. Either way, what he's saying here is, is that the rod and the staff, the gospel, the work of God, not only defend us, not only direct us, but keep us in a place where we can celebrate his goodness and his provision, even in the face 
of that which would undo us. You see, all of the work of the shepherd is not just to keep me by green pastures and not just to keep me by still waters, but to lead me through this life to be with him forever and ever. And so the tiny taste that I get of being with him now just lead me to trust him for my destiny. And so now we have an opportunity to celebrate, to eat, to drink, uh, in the presence of this uh, God who sets this table before us. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's use this prayer of confession that's printed in the bulletin and also up on the screens behind me. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone what we ought to have done. And we have done what we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. Yet, good Lord, have mercy on us. Restore those who repent according to your promises declared to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And grant, merciful Father, for his sake, that we may live a godly, righteous, and obedient life, To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Believer, hear these words of encouragement. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but we have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So on the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and he broke it, just as I do now, ministering in his name, and he gave it to his disciples. Uh, one of the things that I know is uh, true about me, uh, and I think this is a genetic predisposition for many of the men in my family, is that we're not really happy in life and not really uh, excited about things unless there's we're in a fight or about to get in one, right? Unless we're we're in some sort of conflict with somebody because we we're happiest that we feel most alive when we're in a conflict. Um, in the beginning of the bulletin, I wrote uh, the letter that uh, about 12 hours before my dad died, his, his feet had started getting cold, his hands had started getting cold, and 
He'd been unresponsive for a day or two, and his breath was getting more and more shallow. Uh, the chaplain at the little place where he was, who was a friend of my dad's, gathered us, uh, my brother and our wives and most of our kids around his bed. And this guy, this chaplain, <laughs> he's hilarious. I mean, his voice alone could raise the dead. He is the loudest human being, which I guess you get that way working around old people, you know. But, I mean, he is... He is the loudest human being on the planet. And so he gathers us around my dad's bed, and we're going to say the 23rd Psalm. Well, first of all, I want to say uh, how awesome it is that your kids can say the 23rd Psalm without a Bible in front of them when their granddad's dying. Um. But the other thing is, we so we did this. We said it. Um, and uh, I know that, you know, you can, what I'm about to tell you, people will say, you know, he was lacking oxygen in his brain and his uh, neurons were firing a weird way or whatever. But while we were saying that, for the first time in like two days, he opened his eyes and he raised his arm. Now, I, I was glad that we did that, and it was a good thing for us to do that because it certainly was comforting, right? And it was a good thing to be reminded that, you know, he was really on his way to be in the house of the Lord forever. But you know why I was really glad we did that? Because I felt like the Lord was preparing a table in the presence of our enemies because death was in that room. And we were saying, mm-mm. 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 You're not winning. You're not winning. And so in the context of that moment, it gave us an opportunity to declare the victory of our shepherd who went through the dark valley and who will see us through the dark valley with his rod and his staff to defend us so that we can eat in the presence of the Lord and in the presence of our enemies in joy and in fear, with no fear. And I tell you this this morning because you're going to eat the supper today, eat this bread and drink this cup in the presence of enemies. Yeah, death is in this room. Sin is in this room. Your flesh is right here uh, in your own heart and soul. And so when we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we are bringing to fruition what the psalmist says, that the Lord prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And we eat this and we drink this knowing that he has defeated our enemies and that what our destiny is certain and sure in our good shepherd. So if you've come to that place in your life where that's your only hope, and maybe it's a feeble hope for you today, uh, what really, it doesn't matter how strong your hope and your faith is. What really matters is the strength of the object of your hope and your faith. And if it's the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, you're in a strong place. So if you that's your hope, you profess that to a body of believers somewhere, then... Uh, Jesus has set this table for you as his 
sheep, as his friend, as somebody he knows by name, in the presence of enemies. So eat victoriously in the face of all that would undo you because Jesus has overcome. As the uh, elders and deacons come down front this morning to assist me, let me remind you that the outer ring is wine, the uh, inner rings uh, are grape juice, and all the bread is bread that is gluten-free.